South Sudan in focus on the voice of America. I'm Nabil Biagio in Washington, working on this program via remote. Here are some of the top stories making news across South Sudan this Thursday, December 22, 2022. The UN mission in South Sudan is expressing concern over reports of armed mobilization in Jongule State. Such mobilizations have the potential to trigger violent attacks that can gravely impact civilian population. And a top religious leader in South Sudan is calling on the country's leaders to compromise for the sake of peace. It is not the implementation again of this comprehensive peace agreement only, but it is really a true radical uh, change. We will have these stories and more coming up on South Sudan in Focus. The United Nations Mission in South Sudan, or UNMIS, says it is extremely concerned about the reported mobilization of armed young men in Jongule State. An UNMIS official says any upsurge in conflict will undermine peace gains achieved in the area. Dengai Deng has the details for VOA from Bor. UNMIS spokesperson Linda Tom says mobilizing armed youth will undermine recent peace gains achieved through a rapprochement between the leaders of Jongle State and the Greater Pibor Administrative Area. The UN mission in South Sudan is deeply concerned about reported mobilization of armed Noir youth in the Greater Jongle Area. Such mobilizations have the potential to trigger violent attacks that can gravely impact civilian population. Tom says the UN mission appreciates proactive engagements by the government with youth leaders in the area in an effort to de-escalate hostilities and restore calm. While the primary responsibility for protecting civilians lies with the government, UNMIS continues to deploy all available resources and makes every effort to ensure the safety and security of affected populations. Similar incidents in the past have resulted in the loss of life, abduction of women and children, displacement of thousands of civilians and destruction of property. Tom says UNMIS is calling on leaders of the various communities to exert positive and constructive influences on their youth groups and encourage them to embrace dialogue rather than resorting to violence to resolve their grievances. Additionally, the mission urges community leaders to ensure the release of previously abducted women and children and the return of looted cattle to their rightful owners to foster reconciliation and respect for fundamental human rights. Tom says UNIMIS stands ready to support government authorities and respective communities in reducing tensions through dialogue and other peaceful means. The Minister of Information in the Greater Pibor Administrative Area, Abraham Kelang, says that a large number of armed young men from Jongle are on the move to attack Pibor areas. Klang is urging his Jongle counterparts to foil the mobilization. We have a peace process being started in date 11. Uh, GPS, our chief administrator, called the governor of Jongole uh, to be born and uh, receiving 11 kids plus 13 guns. This is what achievement uh, Honorable Lokale Amir done to uh, Governor of Jongole. Uh, we are still in process of peace and we are still maintaining peace process. Uh, why the youth lying himself? What, uh, what are the uh, roles of uh, government of Jongole? 
to to the to the youth. This is my message. I want to confirm to those uh, authority from Yongole to stop the uh, mobilization which is come to attack to EPA. Yongole State Information Minister John Samuel Manyuan says when state authorities received reports of mobilization by armed young men in parts of the state last month, they talked to the people of Yongole. A delegation was sent by the government of Yongole where we land in Pierre, we move up to Paratet. Then we talk to the spiritual leader and uh, the youth leaders. So we were given the assurance that uh, they will not uh, make a move, but they will be there to patrol their, uh, their areas. Uh, from that day, when we came uh, on, on 17, we returned, but from 14th uh, of November, until that, uh, there are more about 12 attacks that were uh, carried out by armed criminals from greater people and the city area. This also has angered a number of youth, uh, but not all. There is no general mobilization. Manuan says he spoke to the commissioner of Akobo who assured him that youth from his area have not made a move. He said the Nyiror County Commissioner reported hearing of a few youth who have left his area but did not elaborate. Cattle raids, revenge killings and child abductions have become a common occurrence in parts of Jongle and the Greater Pibor Administrative Area despite many goodwill agreements signed by both communities in recent years aimed at ending the violence. For VOA News, I am Dengaiding in Bor. And from Bor, we move to Juba, where a top South Sudanese religious leader is urging the country's leaders to continue to compromise in order to achieve peace and stability in the country. The Catholic Archbishop of the Juba Diocese says leaders need to have a change of heart, which will translate into effective implementation of the peace deal. For VOA News, Waki Simon Wudu reports from Juba. Juba Archbishop of the Catholic Diocese, Stephen Ameu said, once South Sudanese and their leaders have changed their hearts, they can focus on improving the socio-economic and political situation in the country without obstacles in their way. Change does not only happen one time. It has to be always there, slowly and concretely. And in that way, we can change. It is not the implementation, again, of this comprehensive peace agreement only, but it is really a true radical change within our political leaders. Political leaders have to really compromise. The Archbishop called on South Sudanese to remain hopeful for the future. It is always taking time to calm down. And so let us be hopeful let us be hopeful for a better future and a better south sudan uh, full of forgiveness and caring for one another south sudan descended into political turmoil in 2013 after a dispute between president salva Kiir and his then deputy riak machar Despite several agreements signed by the parties to end the conflict, the political situation has not changed much. The outgoing representative of the UN Refugee Agency in South Sudan said on Tuesday that there are still 3.2 million South Sudanese refugees in the neighboring countries of Uganda, Sudan, the Democratic Republic of Congo, and Ethiopia. 
all of them have fled because of the fighting. Archbishop Ameyo says, as the nation joins the world in celebrating Christmas, South Sudanese and their leaders should reflect on their lives and embrace love and reconciliation. We have to change our hearts. If we change our hearts, then God will bring to us hope, not despair. And it is on this line that we see this message of a change of conversion embedded by what we call change and hope. And this hope will help us to live even in difficult moments. We have a lot of displacement. We have a lot of disasters. And these disasters should not leave us in despair. Let us always hope that God is with us and God will continue to sustain us. Implementation of the South Sudan revitalized peace deal has lacked behind schedule. Although in recent months the parties have made progress in implementing security arrangements, several provisions of the deal, including drafting a permanent national constitution, deployment of the unified forces, and justice and accountability, still remain unimplemented. Ameu also announced the Pope Francis will visit South Sudan in February next year. The Pope will be accompanied by Anglican Archbishop Justin Welby of Canterbury and Moderator General Ian Greensills of Scotland. For VOA News, I'm Simon Wudu in Juba. And still in Juba, time is running out for South Sudanese tailors to finish sewing their garments that will be given as Christmas gifts. When Juba Taylor says this time of the year, tailors like him make a lot of money, but the deadline pressure is tough. Manyang David Mayar has more for VOA from Juba. It's the crack of dawn in Juba, and Taylor Simpija Ben is already sitting behind his tailoring machine, working on a colorful African dress commonly known as Kitenge. Ben says he is raising against time to finish sewing his customers' garments before Christmas Day, Sunday. People put me on pressure. You know, if you have a, more clothes for customers, people putting you on pressure. They come, I want my clothes. I didn't finish. You have more customers at, at the end. You have to work hard day and night to finish these clothes. Then they take them. Ben says... He sleeps only three hours a night as he works overtime to meet his customers' demands. Ben says while it is a hectic time, tailors make more money at Christmas time than any other time of the year. This is our time for tailors. You know, sometimes we are not working, but this is our season, December season. Then we shall wait for Easter next year. Ben says... He sews up to 12 garments a day this time of year, most of which are African fabrics, known as kitenge, and other materials imported mostly from Turkey. Juba Taylor, Betty Ropana says she too is under pressure to finish her work. In the beginning, there were not many people, but now there are people who come 
to you and say, make my clothes quickly. When the time has already gone, so what we do is that we just work and try our best like that. But at the end of this month, there will be no people. It will be only people who want to make up for the rest of the year when business is slow, Ropana says her services are now based on people who pay cash rather than taking clients on a first-come, first-served basis. There are some people who come and tell you to sew their clothes quickly. She may give you a deadline of two days or one day. If the person pays cash, we make it for her one day. But if the person has not paid, we tell her to come after two days or three days. But now that the time is over, we tell people that there is no time. Propana says sometimes customers become annoyed and argue with tailors when there are some design mistakes. When that happens, Ropana says, tailors under certain conditions will pay customers some compensation for their clothes. Juba resident Nibolkwal bought African fabric from a tailor to make a dress. She says, despite the pressure she put on the tailor, she has not received the dress. I'll not pay money. I'll buy new ones. Actually, maybe she's busy. Kwal says, the fabric she intended to make a dress out of has been with the tailor for the last week. While the pressure is on this week, most of the tailors we talk to say their customers will receive their garments in time for Christmas. For VOA News, I'm a young David Mayer in Juba. You're listening to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. Coming up, representatives of the Ethiopian federal government and the Tigray region meet in Nairobi. Find out more after this break. What do you think? People speak out on important questions. The question today... Do you believe in faith? Yes, I do believe in faith. I do believe that once you have been given a particular purpose, faith will definitely make you get into it, whether you tend to the negative or the positive direction. Eventually, you get to achieve what has been planned for you. Sometimes I do because there are sometimes opportunities that comes unexpectedly, but sometimes I don't believe in it because everything is possible. I don't believe in faith because I think once in life, no matter the family or your background, things can change. Your life has not been arranged in a certain way that you had to, no matter what, follow that trend. What do you think? A daily discussion of important questions from VOA. You're listening to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky has been addressing a joint session of the U.S. Congress. For the first time since Russia invaded his country, Zelensky left his nation and flew to the United States on Wednesday. Earlier Wednesday, Zelensky met with U.S. President Joe Biden in the Oval Office and held a joint press conference with him. 
The United States, along with more weapons and ammunition for Ukraine's military, announced an additional $374 million in humanitarian winter assistance for civilians whose homes and infrastructure have been bombed by Russia. Addressing the Congress Wednesday night, President Zelensky thanked Americans for their support. It's a great honor for me to be at the U.S. Congress and speak to you and all Americans. Against all odds and doom and gloom scenarios, Ukraine didn't fall. Ukraine is alive and kicking. Thank you. And it gives me good reason to share with you our first, first joint victory. We defeated Russia in the battle for minds of the world. We have no fear, nor should anyone in the world have it. Ukraine gained this victory, and it gives us courage, which inspires the entire world. Americans gained this victory, and that's why you have succeeded in uniting the global community to protect freedom and international law. Europeans gained this victory, and that's why Europe is now stronger and more independent than ever. The Russian tyranny has lost control over us. It will never influence our minds again. Yet, we have to do whatever it takes to ensure that countries of the Global South also gain such victory. I know one more, I think, very important thing. The Russians will stand a chance to be free only when they defeat the Kremlin in their minds. Yet, the battle continues and we have to defeat the Kremlin on the battlefield. Yes, this battle is not only for the territory, for this or another part of Europe. The battle is not only for life, freedom and security of Ukrainians or any other nation which Russia attempts to conquer. This struggle will define in what world our children and grandchildren will live and then their children and grandchildren. It will define whether it will be a democracy of Ukrainians and for Americans for all. This battle cannot be frozen or postponed. It cannot be ignored, hoping that the ocean or something else will provide a protection from the United States to China from Europe to Latin America, and from Africa to Australia, the world is too interconnected and interdependent to allow someone to stay aside 
and at the same time to feel safe when such a battle continues. Our two nations are allies in this battle. And next year will be a turning point. I know it. The point when Ukrainian courage and American resolve must guarantee the future of our common freedom. The freedom of people who stand for their values. Officials from Ethiopia's federal government and the Tigray region are meeting in Kenya's capital, Nairobi, to discuss the next steps for a peace deal to end two years of war. VOS Mohamed Yusuf reports from Nairobi. The Wednesday meeting comes as the TPLF said some parts of the Tigray region are finding it difficult to access much-needed humanitarian assistance. The rebels blame the problems on the presence of Eritrean troops who entered Tigray during the war to support the Ethiopian government. Pro-Tigray media reports say a regional official, Atinkut Mezgebo, called on the Ethiopian government to address what he called Eritrean forces' attacks on civilians and the looting of the aid intended for the suffering masses. Experts warned the alleged continued clashes and blockage of humanitarian supplies could complicate the peace agreement. Early this month, Tigray rebel group commander Tedesi Werede said two-thirds of his fighters have left the battlefield as part of the agreement. The peace deal has allowed the passage of humanitarian aid to Tigray and the restoration of telecommunication and banking systems after more than a year and a half. The Ethiopian government says more than 8 million people in the Afar, Amhara and Tigray regions have received humanitarian supplies since the signing of the peace deal. The war in Tigray broke out between Ethiopian government forces and the rebel group in November 2020, displacing millions and killing hundreds of thousands of people. Leaders of warring factions have been meeting on a regular basis to push for the implementation of the peace agreement signed last month. The Nairobi meeting is expected to end later this week. Mohamed Yusuf for VA News, Nairobi. UN agencies say the large-scale sustained humanitarian assistance can prevent Somalia's looming famine from turning into a full-blown disaster in the coming months. Lisa Schlein has this report for VOA from Geneva. Thanks to generous international support this year, famine in Somalia has been delayed. But the threat of mass starvation in 2023 remains due to a fifth year of consecutive drought, skyrocketing food prices and intensifying conflict. A recent UN food assessment found the number of people facing acute food insecurity could rise to 8.3 million by April. And the number of Somalis facing catastrophic food insecurity could increase to more than 700,000 by June. It warns some areas will face outright famine if humanitarian assistance is not scaled up and sustained. 
Etienne Peter-Schmidt is the UN Food and Agriculture Organization representative in Somalia. Speaking from the capital Mogadishu, he says the specter of Somalia's 2011 famine continues to haunt aid agencies and what happened then must not be repeated now. So just to recall that in 2011, and, and we've mentioned that in, in uh, in, in several reports, and we are uh, we keep highlighting that fact is that uh, by the time famine was declared, uh, half of the of the people who actually died of famine had already died. More than a quarter million people died of famine that year. Half of them children under age five. FAO reports rural communities are currently among those at greatest risk and in greatest need. The unprecedented drought, it notes, has forced entire pastoral agro pastoral and farming communities to leave home and seek humanitarian aid in crowded displacement camps in towns. Peter Schmidt says their ability to stave off hunger and famine depends on the survival of their herds and ability to grow crops. Their children's nutrition, and we mentioned that before, is directly linked to the health and productivity of their animals. Unable to produce milk, those animals have been dying at skyrocketing rates for the last year. Of uh, great concern is the approximately 1.8 million children who are likely to be malnourished. Earlier projections of famine so far have been averted because humanitarian assistance has covered much of the most basic needs. UN agencies say this aid must continue and be increased. On December 1st, the United Nations launched a record $51.5 billion humanitarian response plan to assist 69 countries in 2023. The plan asks for $2.2 billion in support of 7.6 million people in Somalia. Lisa Schlein for VOA News, Geneva. And that's all we prepared for you this Thursday. Don't forget to check out voaafrica.com for all your favorite programs and news updates. If you miss this broadcast, go to www.voaafrica.com forward slash South Sudan. We now leave you with Lomorica Jazz Band and the song Salam.
Band and the song Salam. I am your host, Nabil Biajo, in Washington. Thanks for allowing us into your homes, cars, and on your phones. 